The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Sam, what's going on, man? It's a lot happening in this world of sports. We live in the NCAA, the NFL, the NBA. It's a lot going on in the sports world, in the sports world today, Sam. Man, it's a lot of exciting action. I tell you, Daryl, uh, this past Saturday uh, had to be one of the most exciting um weeks of football that I've ever experienced in my life. It got kicked off with the Michigan-Ohio State game, and uh, that served as an appetizer to the Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. Uh, and then it got even better on Sunday with the NFL action. I tell you, Daryl, uh, as a fan of sports, I couldn't have been happier uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend. Hey, man, I tell you, um, you know, we got our feel with the with the Thanksgiving NFL, and and we had a lot of college football on Friday night, on Friday. And this is not really a typical good week for University of Miami. I'll never forget when Doug Flutie threw that Hail Mary on us the day after Thanksgiving. Um, but on Friday, man, University of Miami seemed like they were really ready to play some football. They beat up on the University of Pittsburgh made the game a whole lot more interesting than than it should have been. But, hey, man, it did start out with a very good weekend, a rivalry weekend in football. Hey, but, Sam, one of the rivalries that we thought that in the past had been such a huge game was the Florida-Florida State game, in which this year it was never any competition. The University of Florida was was never in the game. Uh, Jameson Winston, James Winston, he was – dominant throughout the entire game, uh, the part that he did play. Um, but it was not nothing close to what we've seen in the past of, of the of the um, Florida Florida State game. Uh, I tell you, Darryl, it, it was definitely a one-sided affair, and uh, Florida State dominated early and often, uh, defeated the University of Florida 37-7. Uh, Jameis Winston was, was Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, he had another outstanding day. Uh, but the man who, I'm really, who I was really impressed with in this album is uh, wide receiver Kevin Benjamin, the uh, 6'5 uh, wide receiver, had nine catches for over 200 yards and two touchdowns versus a beat-up and banked-up Florida team. And uh, I, I tell you, Darrell, uh, the University of Florida, uh, they're going to be making some changes, and uh, they didn't really wait 
to start making those changes. Uh, there will be a new offensive coordinator uh, at the University of Florida next year. They got rid of offensive coordinator uh, Pease. Uh, they also fired the offensive line coach. But uh, the, offensive co- the offensive coordinator, in my opinion, was fired for catering his system to Will Muschamp. Uh, who prefers a grinded-out style that relies on defense. If you look at uh, Coach Pease uh, throughout the years and the teams that he's coached, Daryl, there's been a lot of shifts. There's been a lot of movement. And uh, when you looked at this University of Florida team, you didn't quite see that. So uh, I, I, I smell a scapegoat. And, uh, you know, this is going to be the third or fourth offensive coordinator in uh, Coach Muschamp's tenure. So eventually he's going to have to point the finger at himself, Daryl. Yeah, eventually he is going to have to look in the mirror and, and deal with some of these situations. And, uh, and I'm not so sure that that keeping Muschamp around and getting rid of his his staff is the right answer. I really think it's time for him for the University of Florida to make a change. And don't look like they're going to make a change from the head. They're just making some changes from the branches, and that's not good. I think I think it's it's harder for. Uh, I, I think it's harder for offense coordinators to come in and implement, a, and implement a new system than it is for a whole coaching staff to come in and put a new staff in place. So I think just cutting off these branches is just is just a temporary fix, and it's not going to last very long. You've heard a lot of talk uh, from Gainesville that uh, you know we're going to reevaluate how we do things. We're going to um, look and look at our um, system and, and do whatever it takes to be successful. That's basically, uh, in my opinion, Coach Muschamp admitting that this grinded out style is not working. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Florida bring in someone that's maybe running a spread uh, a spread type of offense. But I tell you what. Coach Pease has been successful everywhere he's been. At Boise State, he had a tremendous run. Uh, I'm sure he's kicking himself now for turning down the Alabama job and taking that Florida job. But I also wonder, are these Florida kids smart enough to learn a a very complicated system that, uh, you know, when I looked at Boise State, I saw a lot of shifts and different formations, uh, personnel groups, and, uh, you know, he kind of, he kind of catered it down. I, you know, that, that's been a knock on some of the Florida kids, man. How smart are they? I mean, I, I know they're great athletes, but uh, are they able to learn some of these complex systems? So are you, trying, are you saying that it's, it's the athletes that were not smart enough to pick up his system? It was not the system, you know, because it's, it's, all, it's all a number of numbers and verbiage now. Come I, on, man. I, I think, Daryl, it all, it, it all goes hand in hand. Uh, if you have a system, sometimes you can have a system that's so complicated that you can have great players, and when they're thinking so much, you kind of you, you slow them down. So that can play a part into maybe you not implementing your whole offensive system. Another part of that can be that the head coach, regardless of how great of an offensive coordinator you are or how great of a system you have, if if you're the head coach and, and I'm the offensive coordinator and uh, I have all of these great ideas, but if you say, hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to try to set up third-down situations, I'm going to have to take those orders, Daryl. So I think I think it's a combination of both of them. You know, I – I, I'm, I'm not going to dispute this, but I, I, I'm not in favor of saying it's the kids because you have so much time with these kids to put in your system to make it work. 
to I don't see it being the kids. I see it being maybe you're not implementing the system correctly, or maybe they didn't they they didn't follow your direction correctly. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna and I still can't say it's the kids. But hey, man, let's continue with this rivalry weekend. You know, um, Duke and North Carolina played, man. And if Duke wins this game, Duke goes on and plays for the ACC championship. Can you? Can, it, it's hard for me to to spit those words out. Duke plays for the ACC football championship. That tells they, you how far they won. Duke that tells won. you how far your alma mater has fallen, man. Duke for the ACC championship. You know when the ACC, when Miami and Florida State joined the ACC, everybody assumed that. There was going to be a bunch of conference championship games between the University of Miami and Florida State. It was going to drive the TV ratings through the roof. But, hey, man, some of these other schools, the parity now in college athletics, like you said, Duke with the win over rival North Carolina would play for the ACC championship game against Florida State. And, folks, I just want to let you know, Duke, the basketball school, beat the University of North Carolina, 27-25, to 25, to clinch a spot in the ACC championship game. The 10 wins is a program first. And I want to just congratulate Coach Cutcliffe on the job that he's done at Duke. Hey, um, Coach Cutcliffe, congratulations. I, I'm going to congratulate him too. And, and University of Miami, get your act together, man. This is terrible but, letting Duke go on and play for the ACC championship, and we're not and we're not there, man. Hey, but University of South Carolina um, dominated the school right down the street from them that had been dominant earlier in the season, and seemed like they just fell off the cliff after Florida State beat them, man. South Carolina continued to dominate Clemson, man, thirty-one seventeen over the weekend, and 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 South Carolina looks sort of like the old South Carolina team, man. You know, uh, earlier this, uh, before the season started at the SEC uh, Media Day, J.B. Young Clowney said that uh, Todd's Boyd was afraid when he played against uh, South Carolina in that defensive line. And I tell you what, man, his performance in this game did nothing uh, to dispute that. Uh, Todd's Boyd has had a great college career, but uh, he's, he's, he comes up short in the big games. And I'm sure that's something that the NFL talent evaluators, they're going to take a long, hard look at that. Now, I do feel that uh, Mr. Boyd is a big-time talent. But, uh, you know, I like, I like a guy that, uh, that is just cool and calm in the big game. And he, he really didn't get the job done. Hey, but, Daryl, you know, we're just warming up. These right here are the appetizers. So now we're going to move on to Oregon and uh, Oregon State. And Oregon squeezed out a close victory in a, in a rivalry game, 36-35. You know, this Oregon team, this is a different team that we saw earlier in the year that was putting up 60, 65 points on a consistent basis. It seemed like after they lost to uh, to Stanford, they just got the win knocked out of them, Daryl. Hey, man, you know, Sam, it's Oregon, Oregon. That Oregon, Oregon team has had some ups, and downs, some teeters, some totters, and uh, and hey, this doesn't surprise me, man. It really, it really doesn't. You know, and I'm squeezing out out another victory. You know, they they're they're a team that they were on the cusp of, of really just exploding and taking football to another level. You know, Kelly went to the pros. The new new coach stepped in. Things just didn't didn't stay tight like glue, you know, and and you, you kind of expected them to have a little bit of a fall, but 
They're still they're still going to be hanging around for a while, man. They really. But Darryl, this is my thing. When is ten wins not good enough? I mean, uh, you know, we are talking about the University of Oregon. We're not talking about uh, Michigan. We're not talking about Miami. We're not talking about Florida State. We're not talking about Alabama. We're talking about the University of Oregon, who probably in the last 10 years just really became relevant. And uh, I I tell you what, 15 years ago, 10 10 wins, they would have shut down the whole city. They would have shut down the city. I would would agree with you. So now, you know, it's like when is 10 wins not good enough? I mean, well, the bar has been the bar has been set real high, and uh, so you know that's just something to think about, man. There's a, there's a lot of pressure on these coaches, these kids, and uh, it, it's tough. It's it's, it's kind of unfortunate. Well, I tell you what, Daryl, man, we might as well just go ahead and dive in. You know, th- those those were rival games, but but they're not like the game. And uh, when I say the game, and when people hear the game. They're, they're, they're thinking about Michigan. They think about the University of uh, Ohio State. And um, I, I tell you what, Ohio State came into the game um, undefeated. Michigan beat up and battered at 7-4. and four. Uh, I'm a Michigan man. Uh, I take great pride in my school. Uh, there's no such things as moral victories, Daryl. But I tell you what, I'm very proud of the effort that those guys uh, displayed on Saturday. Uh, you talk about a great ball game, a back and forth. Uh, um, it, it was like one of those old school boxing matches, man, watching Ali go 15 rounds. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, we gave Ohio State everything they can handle. We had a chance to, to kick a field, kick an extra point or go for two. I love the call by Coach Hope and going for two, uh, Ohio State. They made it. They made the play when it mattered, and they prevented us from uh, from victory. Uh, and and I tell you what, man, I got to tip my hat to Braxton Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde. They combined for 379 yards rushing and four touchdowns in a close victory over Michigan. But uh, again, I'm proud to be a Michigan man. I was very proud of that effort. Those guys have nothing to hang their head about. A very disappointing seven and five season. But I tell you what, if we can get that type of effort. Uh, I really feel that we're headed in the right direction. You really think you guys are headed in the right direction? Now, I'd have to say, I'd have to say, I think you're headed in the right direction, Sam. But I'm beginning to wonder if if Brady Hogue is the person to take y'all to the national championship. And I really and do I, feel I, that way, man. And really, it starts well. Uh, you know, we look at it a little different, you know. In order to get to the national championship, first you got to win the Big Ten. So our model, our thing is you graduate first because academics is very important. And two, you win the Rose Bowl. And by accomplishing that, if you get to the Rose Bowl, you won the Big Ten championship. And nine times out of ten, if you win the Big Ten championship, you're going to be in a national championship picture. Uh, is Brady Hoke the man for that job? You know, I'm sure that there's a lot of naysayers out there, but uh, I, I'm a Brady Hoke supporter. I'm a Brady Hoke fan. He's going to do things the right way. He's going to hold guys accountable. Um, our recruiting speaks for itself. Uh, we have a bunch of guys. I really do like the fact that our AD, Dave Brandon, came out 
made a statement. Brady Hoke's going to be here. He's going to lead the program. Brady Hoke's going to do what's in the best interest of the Michigan program. And, uh, you know, we're going to be all right there. Again, disappoint seven and five because, one, we didn't get to the Rose Bowl. So there, there is disappointment. But at the same time, man, hey, things happen. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, again, there's no more victories because, like Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you last. But at the same time, that effort. If they, if we can just bottle up that effort from Saturday, we're going to be all right. We we have been a very inconsistent team. I'll be the first to say that. Is uh, Coach Hoke uh, happy with the performance uh, overall this year? No, he's not. But there's a lot of great things you can take from the film in that game and uh, and, and move forward. Now, if I'm a defensive coach, I'm very, I'm pissed off because when you give up uh, 379 yards to two guys close to 400 yards. I mean, that's not good football. You're not going to win that way. But at the same time, you had a chance to win the game late. What what more can you ask for? Hey, I, I would agree, man. And, and as much as I am an Urban Meyer disliker, I really don't like that guy. I don't like how he handled the situation at the University of Florida. I was truly pulling for you guys to really do some things, man. I thought it was it was just about time for you guys to – I wanted you to pull this one out more than I wanted you to pull any of them out, man. I'm just not a big Ohio State Buckeye fan with Urban Meyer as their coach. Now, I'm an old-time Woody Hayes Ohio State Buckeye fan, but I'm just not an Ohio State Urban Meyer Buckeye fan. Say. For the record, guys, if you're listening, Sports Info, we're not, we don't support Urban Meyer. I, I tell you what, Darrell, we're down to about a, a minute and 30 seconds before the break. So before we get to the Iron Bowl, uh, there's a couple other announcements. USC hires former offensive coordinator and current Washington coach uh, Steve Sarkeesian as their new head coach. Uh, coach Ed Orjohn resigns. Uh, he had an offer on the table to be the assistant head coach and become one of the highest paid assistants uh, in college football. Coach Orjohn, a little disappointed he didn't get the job. He he did a tremendous job with the uh, USC Trojans, especially after they fired Lane Kiffin. He rallied them to six and two. Uh, just, uh, you know, I feel bad for Coach Orjohn, but I really do feel that uh, this hire is a uh, this is a great hire for USC. Uh, Coach Sarkeesian uh, spent some time at USC as offensive coordinator. Coach two Heisman Trophy uh, winning quarterbacks and Matt Leinert and Carson Palmer. But I, I, I do tell you what, there is a young man that's very disappointed in his decision. And he said that he's fakered in a $3 bill. And that's what happens, Daryl, when these college athletes commit to a school because of a coach. And the young man from the University of Washington, he said it. He said he told the recruits in on his Twitter to commit to the school and not the coach because that's what happened when you when you make a mistake like that, Daryl. And uh, he he he's he's very disappointed because he committed to Washington because of Coach Sarkeesian, and now Coach Sarkeesian is off. And, and that's a that's that's one of my major issues I have with a lot of these college coaches, Daryl. They'll they'll convince a young man to return to school and bypass millions of dollars. But at the first opportunity for them to advance in their profession, they will vote. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back after the break. Flagship station for sports. 
America's sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info. Hey, Sam, and I, I agree with this young man that calls Sarkeesian as fake as a $3 bill. You know, these coaches do this constantly, man. They're always following the big money. They're always following the big jobs and never really taking into consideration what's going on with these young men that they're out there working for and working with. You know, this is a heartbreaker for a lot of young men. They think that their coach is going to be there for them for the entirety of their career at the university. And then here's this coach that the first NFL job comes along, the the first head coaching job that's better than the one they have come along. Hey, it's 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 horrible, man. It's it's something should be done about it. Something should be a a a five-year contract should mean 5 years not a year at a new contract from a bigger, from a bigger team. Hey, there, I really believe like when a, a coach leave a school like Sarkeesian's leaving that those guys that committed in that class, uh, I, I don't know how many years we go back, but uh, I, I think you got to go a, a class or two, maybe a year or two, freshmen, sophomores. Uh, they should have a, a window of uh, a three- to four-month window where if they decide to transfer – they should be allowed to transfer with no repercussions, but they should not be allowed to transfer to the school where that coach left to go to. I mean, you, you definitely have to take a look at this. Uh, it, it's sad. Think about it. He brought in between 15 and 24 guys uh, last year that uh, they committed to the University of Washington, but uh, nine times out of ten, they committed to uh, Coach uh, Sarkeesian. And, uh, again, you know, Matt Leiner, he tweeted uh, congratulations um, to Coach uh, Sarkeesian's great hire. Uh, tailback Justin Davis, a freshman tailback at USC, uh, he really liked it. And uh, he talked about how he almost became a Washington uh, Husker because of Coach Sarkeesian. So uh, I tell you what, man, uh, the NCAA definitely has to take a look at this because – on paper, guys are committed to the school, but 99 times out of 100, Daryl, they're committed to the school because of the coach that's there and the system that he's running. Exactly. And, um, you know, we look at this situation, and 
I'm, I'm going to tell you this story about saving in Texas is still out there lingering around. And it, don't be surprised if saving opts out to go to Texas. Um, you know, this is a possibility, Sam. Well, Darrell, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, we, we, we say the best to last. You mentioned Coach Saban. Coach Saban coaches the University of Alabama. The University of Alabama just happened to be involved in the most exciting game of the whole weekend, Darrell, regardless of level. And, and I tell you what, man, the iron bowl between the number one ranked University of Alabama and the number four ranked Auburn Tigers, it lived up to the hype, Darrell. You're talking about a great football game, a game that had a play that's going to be uh, that's just as important as Doug Flutie's Hail Mary, the Stanford Cal uh, band on the field. I mean, I, I tell you what, Daryl, this is a play that will be replayed over and over and over again. Uh, and this was just a tremendous football game. It was a back-and-forth game. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of things that's going to be questioned from this uh, this game, Daryl. Uh, you know, the University of Alabama, they missed four field goals. Uh, they asked for a second. They got a second. And oh, what a second that was, Daryl. Uh, they attempted a long field goal that was returned. Uh, we're going to talk about that later. But there's also a point in this play, Daryl. I, I really feel it was one of the most pivotal points in the game. Fourth and one from the 13-yard line with five and a half minutes to go. Alabama decided to go for it instead of kicking a 30-yard field goal. Was that the right call? They were stuffed. They were stopped. And that allowed Auburn, instead of being up by 10, that allowed Auburn to, to, con, to continue to grind it out and run their triple option from the spread. And they you went know, down it, the field and they scored. So It, it you, really you, makes you wonder, Sam. You you, know. So you really got to think about that. You know, no one's really talking about. I mean, I've heard all of the stories. I've heard all of the analysts all over the country. No one's really talking about fourth and one from the 13, five and a half minutes to go up by seven. Do you take the field goal? I, I mean, you're you Alabama. Know. You're Alabama. You're big. You're strong. You run the ball. If you get one yard, the game's pretty much over. But at you know, the same Sam, time, if we, you go up 10, if you go up 10, Daryl, with five and a half minutes to go, Nick Marshall's not the greatest passer. But when you allow him to be able to run and do the things that he's comfortable doing, that's something that I really, I, I really got a question. Saban's thought process on that one, Daryl. So was it the right call? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. I want to know. Help me understand. If, if, we, if, we, if we're reading the book on football, no, it's not the right call. But when you don't have confidence in, in your players, you don't have confidence in wide receivers, you put them on the bench. You don't have confidence in kickers, you, you use your other part of your kicking game. You either punt or you go for it on fourth down. And, and, saving, and clearly he didn't have confidence in his kicker. You know, throughout the night he didn't have confidence in his kicker. In the last kick of the game, that was not the, that was not the kicker. That oh. was a, a long kicker. So, okay, Dale, let me ask you this. You don't have confidence in your kicker. You go for it on fourth and one from the 13 instead of kicking. They put one second on the clock. You've already missed four field goals or three or four or whatever. You, you attempt to kick a 56-yarder. Why not throw a Hail Mary? Sam, uh, uh, he looked at that as being like uh, a last kick. And if we don't make it... It's the game. We got another shot. 
You know, he clearly looked at it like, if this kick doesn't go in, we have another shot. And 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 a lot of us thought, most of the people in America looking at the game said, hey, if it don't go in, they got another shot. Well, there I'll tell you what. He would have been better off putting Cade Foster in the game and having him shank it wide left than, than, than almost making it. We say that now, but if he makes the field goal, we're looking at him and saying, this guy's a genius, man. He got one more second left on the clock, and then he got a chance to win the game. Now, Sam, what, what irritates me more than anything in the world in this game? And, you know, and Bear Bryant said uh, he refused to take his team to uh, go, uh, Gordon-Hare Stadium and play at, at Auburn. Now, he the refused fans, to go to Jordan-Hare Stadium. Jordan-Hare Stadium. Until 1989. That's the first trip. That yep. Alabama made to Jordan Hare Stadium, and man, I'm gonna tell you, I've heard about the fans at that stadium and how how rude and disrespectful they can be, and I'm gonna t- I, I can believe it, man. I I can believe it. When after the game, Sam, the fans rushed the field. You know, we and and we almost expected when we watch a game, just expect to see the replay of a touchdown because that's the nature of the business in college football. I really, at one point, one one step during that return after the kick, we saw where this gentleman, we could not see his feet. We don't know whether he stepped in or stepped out. Now, I'm sure he stepped in, but I don't know whether, I can't confidently say he, he stepped in or he stepped out. You know, I'm not 100%. Hey, there, I've watched that play about 15 times. He barely stayed in bounds. He didn't step out of bounds. I'm not but saying that's, that's a call. That's a call that comes from the booth. If he did step, if the if there was any doubt on all scoring plays are reviewed in college football. Sam, do you so, really think they could have reviewed that play after after those fans stormed the field? There was they they could not get ten thousand fans off the field. I mean, I don't care how what they would have told. It would have been a long delay, Daryl. But they would have if he would have stepped out of bounds. They would have had to have gotten 10,000 fans off the field because uh, the game would not have been over. So, I mean, we might would have had a, an extended delay, but that is something that, that would have happened. Now, I, I do see where you're going with this. Um, and and uh, we talked about this off the air. There is not enough security in any college or professional arena to, to stop fans from storming the field. If you got five hundred co- if you got five hundred cops, Daryl, you're not gonna be able to stop ten thousand people. Sam, I I've You can arrest five hundred. I've seen it happen, Sam, at some of these states. You will not see NFL fans storm the field. They that won't happen. NFL fans will not be storming NFL the field. NFL fans, they don't storm the field. That's they not don't in their, field. It's not in their DNA. That's they, yeah, more, because they get arrested. That's, that's what more that's for the that's in their DNA. And they, yeah. and they sell you, alcohol you at think, the stadium. Do you think these fans care about being arrested? It's a, yeah. it's a misdemeanor charge. Well, why do streakers streak down the field knowing that they're going to be arrested? How many have you seen in the last 10 years? Man, Man, it just I've, doesn't happen. I've, I've seen, seen at least one a year. At least one a year. And they want to go to jail. They do it because they want to go to jail. And they do not. Jail ain't no fun place to be. Now, you can say what you want to say. And having a record, a criminal record, is not a fun place to be. And public intoxication, in a lot of cases, is a, is, is, is a, is a, is a uh, felony offense. And, and, I'm a, and Sam, I'll say it again. I went to the University of Miami. 
there were not I, 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 the national championship game. I think people stormed the field, but that was the only only game that people stormed the field. And you and you watch these teams that play in professional stadiums; they don't storm the field. That's you know, in a lot of cases, the pro stadiums are off the ground. College, a the college bit. game and the professional game is totally different. I, I think it's like comparing apples and oranges, man. I, I went to the university. I went to the University of Michigan, and you know what? Certain games, fans are going to storm the field, man. And I, and I think that the guys, the security, the cops, they they do what's right, and they allow the fans to come You're on. You're saying it's field. right for the fans to storm the field. You think I'm not, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm, I'm saying I'm saying from a safety standpoint, from a safety standpoint. Daryl, when you outnumber, sometimes man, you gotta just you gotta go with the flow. Sam, so you saying the safety of those athletes from Alex from University of Alabama? It it was in danger, man. These guys were in danger. I mean, you got ten thousand people rush the field all of a sudden. Now your locker room is all the way on the other side, catty corner to the other field. Daryl, man, you play. You you you're acting like you didn't play college sports. You acting like you you acting like you didn't um, lose a game to a team that upset the University of Miami and they didn't storm the field and you didn't have to navigate your way off the field. I mean, it happens. It's college sports. I mean, I, I've lost in Ohio. I know how it feels to lose in that stadium and they storm the field. And I also know how to keep my helmet on and navigate my way through that traffic. Should an athlete have to go through this, man? He got to keep his helmet on. I, I, I think that's the question that you're trying to ask. But at the same time, uh, no, you shouldn't have to go through it. But at the same time, you better be smart and you better um, you better get a good exit strategy and and. and and that exit strategy is when the University of Alabama saw that that guy wasn't going to be stopped, they should have headed to their locker room. So you saying that it's the I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that it's right. God's people. To, and, 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 and the thing is, though, Sam, see, when you allow these people to get so close to athletes, you know, like uh, it was a report that a woman shot someone after this game. All right? Because they wasn't as upset. As she was about yeah, the so I'm saying if we, if we got that kind of kind of mentality, is these the kind of people that you want to roam free around your athletes? You don't yeah. want these people. It's a reason. It's a reason we separate the fans from the players, Sam, and they should continue to be separated even when the game is over. Fans should not have the right to run up on you, to get in your grill, to spit on you. They should never get that close to us, man. And that's what all I'm saying. This, this is this is wrong. Something okay, has to be Darryl, done about that, man. They shouldn't. But how are you going to stop it? You and what army? No, how no, much no, secu- no. It, how it much security? Have- how much security are you going to have to have at this stadium? I tell you this, Sam. At, at an NFL stadium, I think they have police. They have police stations inside the stadium. All right, they got what the, these tanks inside the stadium. Cool off tank, drunk tanks, whatever. You no, want to that's a, the only stadium that I know for a fact that has that. I don't even know if the new stadium has it, but the Philadelphia Eagles, they had a judge on duty on <laughs> Sunday, and they had a jail. What, Sam, so you could be arrested. People need to be arrested. And, and, and really, it needs to be it, it, some, some kind of law needs to be put in place that if you come down on the field, you are subject to arrest and a a a penalty of five thousand dollars, a thousand dollars, something because we have to put something, some kind of deterrent 
from these people wanting to just get on the field. People have never put, it, put, it, put in a drop of sweat on the field, but they want to touch the field. They want to see how it feels on the bottom they, of their they're, shoes. They're college, they're college students, man. They're, they're not all be, college students. Are well, crazy? most of them are. Most Some of them are. Of them are. A, a lot of them section are. is just one small part of the stadium, Sam. That's, That's because student they got to get them. They have to get them tickets for cheap, Daryl. So they have to. Hey, but Daryl, man, not to take away from this game, this was a great football game between two great Great schools, and uh, you know the next question now that I'm going to bring up is uh, who is more worthy to play for a national championship if things remain the same, a one loss SEC team or an undefeated Big Ten team? I'll tell you this, Sam. If you took uh, Auburn and you gave them Ohio State schedule, they'd run through it. And you took Ohio State and you gave them Auburn schedule. I really think they struggle, and I think they probably lose between two and three games. So you're saying basically a one-loss SEC team is more is worthy. worthy. Is more worthy. Uh, do you know what, Daryl? I'm going to have to agree in that case. And uh, I don't think it should be automatic that uh, just because you uh, finish uh, undefeated that you're um, – you have a, a silver spoon to the BCS National Championship. You know, this is the last year of the BCS National Championship. Make sure there will be a 14 playoff. So this this could be a, a mute debate. But uh, since we're debating now, I really do feel that you really have to factor in strength of schedule. You know, Auburn's, uh, Auburn's non-conference schedule was rather weak, just like Ohio State's. But now when you're talking in conference, you're talking about Auburn facing five teams that are ranked. Uh, and beating the number one team. You're talking about an Ohio State team that only faced two ranked opponents all season long, and uh, one of them's not even ranked now on uh, Northwestern uh, who who gave them a battle. You're talking about an Ohio State team that struggled against a five-loss Michigan team, uh, a Michigan team that should have lost to the University of Akron, that should have lost to the University of Connecticut. So uh, I, I really do feel, uh, in, in all fairness, uh, I'm a Ohio State hater, uh, that was before Urban Meyer, but uh, I, I really do feel that, uh, and, and I'm not just going to exclude Missouri because no Auburn hasn't beat Missouri yet, and uh, I, I really do feel that uh, if Missouri was to beat Auburn, they would be more worthy than Ohio State because, again, Missouri's in the SEC. The SEC has won the last seven national championships. Uh, Missouri also faced five-ranked opponents. And, and to be honest, to me, Missouri should be coming into this game undefeated. Um, they squandered a 17-point lead to the University of South Carolina and lost a close ball game. Uh, so uh, I, I really do feel that uh, the BCS uh, voters – if they're going to get it right, they got to think outside the box in this one. And, well, I'm uh, not so sure they're going to get it right, though, Sam, because when we still look at Alabama, man, they're, they're ranked number four ahead of Missouri. And if Missouri beats Auburn, where is that going to leave Alabama? You know, are they going to be at three? And we also got to take we, – we, when, we when we still think about this thing – Ohio State has to play Michigan State, 11th ranked team in the nation right now. This is probably the number this one is, defense in the country. This the is going to be their toughest opponent. And we've been waiting for them to have a fall or a slip the whole season. And and we've we've seen it happen a few times in these in these conference championship games. It's a it's an extra game. It's more pressure on your team. Hey, it's 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 more wear and tear on your team, and I really think they're going to have their hands full with Michigan State, and they cannot look ahead of, of Michigan State because if they do, what are we going to have then? We're gonna we're gonna have a, a um 
Alabama Florida State um, national championship. I, I think if uh, if Ohio State lose, the winner of the Auburn Missouri will play for the national championship versus the FSU. Hey guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back. to the pros we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports this week on the revolution with jim and trav that's presented to you by outdoor channel hey we're talking wolves on the pros and cons of them with david allen from the rocky mountain elk foundation and minnesota deer hunter association executive director mark johnson our wolf pack with uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the director of Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. And finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info, Sports Info UM. Sam, who earned the dough this week, man? Well, I'll tell you what, man. I got to go Gus Malzahn and Auburn. Uh, they go from 3-9 and to 11-1 and in the spot in the SEC title game. That's definitely earning the dough. And, and I'm sorry, but uh, Mr. Chris Davis, 109-yard uh, uh, run back uh, on a missed field goal to seal the deal versus the University of Alabama to catapult Auburn to the land of the stars. He definitely earned the dough, Daryl. Yeah, he definitely earned a dough, man. Hey, but, man, I'm going to tell you, man, you know I'm a big offensive fan, and this guy Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde combined for 379 yards rushing, Sam, four TDs for the victory over the Michigan Wolverines, man, for the Ohio State Buc- um, Buckeyes. I hate I don't, I don't hate it. I'm not going to use the word hate. I don't like Ohio State, but, man, these, both of these guys look like they're going to have a very good NFL career. They definitely earned the dough, Daryl. And, hey, man, Kelvin Benjamin from the University of Florida State, nine catches, 212 yards, two touchdowns versus Florida. He definitely earned some dough this week, Daryl. Hey, man, this guy, Josh Gordon, 10 receptions for 261 yards, 
two TDs. Hey, man, this dude is the only player in NFL history to have back-to-back 200-yard games, man. Hey, he earned the dough, and he needs to get a raise. I'll I, I tell you what, Daryl. In his second year, there was there was even talk about trading this guy this year. But I tell you what, he's second in the NFL, Daryl, in yards, in receiving yards. And the crazy thing is, he missed two games because of suspension. This guy is on a tear. He has twelve hundred and forty-nine yards. He's only fifty yards behind the greatest receiver in the game right now, Kevin Johnson. Like Kevin Johnson did miss a game, missed some time because of injury. But Josh Gordon missed two games, Daryl. He definitely earned the dough. Hey Daryl, I tell you what, man, Eric Decker, you talking about earning the dough. Eight catches, 174 yards, and not one, not two, not three, but four touchdowns in a big-time victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Decker earned the dough, Daryl. Hey, man, this guy, Josh McGowan, man, hey, 23 of 36, 355 yards, two TDs. Hey, he earned the dough, man, and this is a guy that, that basically was picked up off the scrap heat and doing his thing for the Chicago Bears and a replacement for um, Jake Cutler, man. Doing his thing. And I tell you what, Daryl, the guy who benefited from that is, is Alston Jeffrey. Uh, 12 catches, 249 yards, and two touchdowns. And getting back to Josh, man, Josh with his performance, it begs the question, should a guy lose his job because of an injury? That's the dilemma I feel that the Chicago Bears is facing because he's definitely outplayed uh, Jay Cutler. Well, I tell you this, man, even a bigger dilemma is this is the contract year for Jay Cutler. Are they going to give him a big-time contract next year? Or are they going to go with um, Josh McGowan? Are they going to just cut the ties with um, Jay Cutler and say, hey, man, you just have not been what we thought you were going to be? I don't know, man. That's the question that uh, that your buddy is going to have to answer the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Hey, I tell you what, man, Adrian Peterson, 35 carries, 211 yards. He didn't reach the end zone, but he did uh, put uh, the Minnesota Vikings in position for a victory, and uh, Mr. Walsh delivered. And uh, congratulations to Minnesota for getting their third victory of the year. Hey, man, and, you know, Leslie Frazier, he usually comes on strong late in the season to save his job every year. Hey, but, man, Peyton Manning. Man, the king of quarterbacks. You know, the man that just goes out and wins and throws touchdowns all the time. Did it again yesterday. 22 or 35, 403 yards, 5 TDs, Sam. This guy is really on, on pace to be the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. What, what did T-Pain say? All I do is win, win, win. And I tell you what, man, Peyton Manning is 13th. 4,000-yard season. The next closest guy is seven, and that's Drew Brees, Daryl. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, they might as well start carving his name on the MVP trophy. Uh, I think he has 37 or 38 touchdowns on the year. Uh, just a man, I tell you, Daryl, it is uh, just he, he's just a great player, man. I'm privileged and honored to say that I played with two of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game, and that'll be Tom Brady, and that'll be Peyton Manning, man. So 
I tell you what, man, it's just a privilege and an honor to play with those guys, Daryl. Hey, Daryl, man, let's look at this playoff picture. We got the NFC. You got Seattle as the number one seed. New Orleans as the number two seed. They play tonight in a game that can have major playoff implications. Seattle's 10-1. and one. With a win today, that'll put them at 11-1. and one. New Orleans at 9-2, and two, a win. They'll be tied with Seattle at 10-2, and two, but they'll have the head-to-head battle. They'll have the head-to-head as far as the number one seed. Those are the top two teams in the division, and they're going to remain the top two teams, well, for now. Detroit at 7-5 and five is the number three seed. Dallas at 7-5 and five is the number four seed. Number four seed. The number five seed is uh, the Carolina Panthers. They're at 9-3. and three. And they have a big time game next week against the New Orleans Saints and uh, San Francisco at eight and four. Those are the six teams that the playoff was will start today. On the outside looking in, Philadelphia seven and five, Arizona seven and five, Chicago six and six. There, there's four games left. There's going to be a lot of movement in this playoff picture. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, and what are your thoughts tonight on that big game in Seattle, man? I'll tell you, noise is definitely going to be a factor because I tell you, the 12th man, that's one of the greatest environments that you're going to see in the NFL. Yeah, you're right, Sam. And um, I, I really think tonight's game is going to be a, a, a great game. I, I, I look forward to watching it. And I think, um, I think Drew Brees is going to pull this out. You know, I know it's going to be a tough game, but I really think he's going to pull this out. Hey, but in the AFC East, man, I really think the Patriots are, they have control of this division. They pretty much control this division throughout the year. But in the AFC North, the Bengals, they, 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 have, they have the best record. But I'm not so sure they have the best team. And, and you know, the Ravens just lost so much from last year that they cannot be competitive in this division. So I, I, I'm always pulling for Marvin Lewis. I'm hoping that he can do some things this year, man. And I think he has enough tools. Just don't think he has enough tools in the right places. Um, well, I'll tell you and, what, Darryl, they, they have a two-game lead with four games to go, so they're, yeah. they're kind of in control. And and I really do feel it, uh, when you look at the AFC that uh, that an 8-18 and eight team, uh, has the potential to make the playoffs. Um, I'm, I'm going to start at the uh, the number six seed right now. If the playoffs was to start today, Baltimore would be the wild card. They're 6-6. Six and six. But if you look at the number seven seed, Miami's 6-6. Six and six. Tennessee's five and seven. Pittsburgh's five and seven. San Diego's five and seven. The Jets are five and seven. So you got between six and eleven. One game is separating them. Uh, it, it, it's going to be tough there. I really feel that uh, maybe uh, I feel that eight and eight is going to get one of those teams in the playoffs. Baltimore. They're going to have to play uh, Pittsburgh again. They're going to have to play Cincinnati again. So. Uh, you know, it, it's wide open. I really like, out of all of those teams that I mentioned, Daryl, the team that I really like and I feel they're playing the best ball is San Diego. I, but when you look at their record, man, at 5-7, and seven, you know, they, they just have not done enough. They didn't do enough early in the season. You know, they play some, they're really hot right now playing some good football, but they just didn't do enough early in the season. And when you look at the Ravens, Sam, you know, they, they only won um, two games behind the Bengals with a 6-6 six six record, but this team is a team that's really struggling. You know, Ray Rice is having a horrible season. He's just not the player that he was last year. Uh, and and with this defense, they're, 
they're okay, but they're not the defense with Ed Reed and, and Ray Lewis, man. Well, I'll tell you what, they are their next four games. If they're going to get into the playoffs, they play Minnesota. They should beat Minnesota. But that's not going to be an easy game facing Adrian Peterson. But I'll tell you what, man, they, they, they're definitely going to have to bring their A game because uh, the, the last three games, Detroit, New England, and at Cincinnati. So if they're going to make the playoffs, they're definitely going to have to earn their spot, Daryl. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have to earn their spot, man. But when you know, you know, when we look at the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, this team has lost to um, they, they've lost to um, Peyton Manning twice in the last um, and a close game to San Diego, Daryl. So you and know a what? Close game to San when Diego. people when people look at the Chiefs, and say, "Oh, are they Super Bowl worthy?" They're nine and three. They're going to make the playoffs. Yes, but they are going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs as a, as a wild card at the worst. But, I, I mean, I'm not down on the Chiefs. When you lose two close games to Peyton Manning, or, or when you lose twice to Peyton Manning uh, and, and, and a heartbreaker uh, to San Diego, hey, man, this is a team that definitely, uh, to me, that they're, they're going to be a factor. They're, you know, they're a grinded-out team. Yeah, they're, they're going to be a factor. They, they're a playoff-built team. They want to run the ball. They 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 built for the weather. But, play good defense. And they play solid defense, and they're strong on the defensive line. Hey, but when you look at the Colts, man, at 8-4, and four, you know, they're, they're right there in the mix. But is this team a pretender or a contender? You just don't really know. And I can't say that they're a, they're a contender because they seem to struggle against everyone. Hey, Daryl, you know, that's my former team. I like the Colts. I'm a big-time Colts fan. But right now I'm going to have to put them in the um, pretender. Uh, like you said, they're, they're struggling with teams that they should be dominating. But I, I, do, I will say this. If they get hot, they can beat anybody. They showed that when they beat Denver. Uh, they, they have some talent. I, I really feel uh, this team hasn't been the same since they lost Reggie Wayne. And uh, – you know, yeah, they have well, they have struggled. Uh, another team that I'm going to look at, though, is the Miami Dolphins, man. They're 6-6. Six and six. They're second in the AFC East. Uh, they're, they're a team that's really going to control their own destiny. They're at Pittsburgh uh, this weekend. Then they play New England, Buffalo, and New York. Uh, if they can get three out of those four games, Daryl, I can see them in the playoffs. And I can see them beating Pittsburgh this week. Losing to New England and and beating Buffalo and the Jets and probably squeaking, just squeezing their way into the playoffs. There, we're down to our last two minutes. Hey man, um, the New Orleans Saints are the best team in the NFC South. You know they have the best record in the NFC. No, no, no. Seattle Seahawks has the best record in the NFC, but the New Orleans Saints has the second best record in the NFC with a nine and two record. The New Orleans, the, the Seattle Seahawks have a ten and one record, and I really, everybody's expecting the Seahawks to come out of this division and play for the Super Bowl this year. At least go deep in the playoffs, man. It's going to be disappointing if the Seahawks don't go deep into the playoffs this year. Well, I'll tell you what, Darrell. See, the Seattle's up three zip, but uh, New England season really just start. Well, not New England. Uh, New Orleans season starts tonight because uh, if they lose tonight, they're going to be nine and three. They're going to be in a first place tie with uh, Carolina, and two out of their last four games is uh, versus Carolina. And I tell you what, man, Carolina right now, to me, they're the hottest team in the NFL. They're on an eight game winning streak. Cam Noon has finally figured it out. Ron Rivera has saved his job because the Panthers, they're going to make the playoffs, Daryl. Uh, we're hey, down man. our last 60 seconds, man. Last hey, man. 60. 
I, I tell you this, man. Um, Chip Kelly came into the league this year with a lot of skepticism. A lot of people didn't know if his offense would be able to do it. Not only has his offense been able to do it, he's gone through it with a with a with a second string quarterback named Nick Foles, who's had, who has not thrown an interception at all this season. I think he has 17 touchdowns and no interceptions. That's some incredible numbers, man. Yes, it is, Daryl. I tell you what, Daryl. Uh, right now, Philadelphia seven and five. The Cowboys are seven and five. If both teams continue to win, they meet up December twenty ninth in Dallas, which with the game that's potentially going to decide the playoff spot. Uh, Philadelphia, their next three games uh, versus Detroit at Minnesota versus Chicago. Those are going to be three tough games, man. They're going to have to find a way to continue to get it rolling. And uh, Ken Foles. Continue to play arrow-free football. Don't hey, count the Cardinals out, Sam. Don't we're count the Cardinals seconds. out with a record of seven and five, only one game behind the San Francisco 49ers. Don't count the Cardinals out. I tell you, this team is 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 a really it's a different team than we've seen the Cardinals have in many years, and they look yep. like they they're, they're capable of making the playoffs this year. This will be quite an accomplishment if the Cardinals make the playoffs. And they have uh, their, their last four games, St. Louis at Tennessee, Seattle, San Francisco. That's going to pretty much eliminate, eliminate them. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info. UM on the Voice America Network. Time flies when you're having fun. We will be back next week. Sam, we didn't talk about the Jameson Winston sex case, man. Hey, uh, you guys have a good week. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.